Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living, it's like a tongue, a tongue twister. Living wisely, living well, aphorism for July 11. Judge a person, if you must, not by his foibles, but by how sincere he is in his search for truth and for God. The less you judge others, the easier it will be for you to accept yourself as you are. Self-acceptance is the first step, moreover, to self-correction. Remember my guru's words, God doesn't mind your faults, he minds your indifference. Swamiji has also put this in, in other contexts, directing it towards yourself. If you must judge yourself, he said, judge yourself not by your accomplishments, but by your aspirations, not by your faults either. So here he says, don't judge others by their foibles. You can put it all sorts of directions. Here's just an interesting little tidbit that I've always enjoyed. Apparently, this is a quote from the Dalai Lama, although it's long since third or fourth or fiftieth hand to me. But people are always worried about their spiritual progress. And he, he apparently said, if you must consider whether or not you're growing spiritually, he said, never Look at a time frame less than 10 years, which I thought was fascinating because pretty much everyone who's sincere on the spiritual path, if you actually think of 10 years ago compared to the present, you will obviously see that much has happened and much has changed. Astrologically, 12 years is the cycle that we often think of in yoga because that represents the, the one, one complete cycle of, of the planet Jupiter through your horoscope who represents the guru. And uh, I, I, when people are just starting out on the path, they don't like to hear that it's going to take them 12 years before they notice anything. And that's not completely true. As Swamiji said, it's not being in the desert and suddenly being thrown into the oasis. It's walking along and finding more and more flowers blooming around you. But there's a definite shift that I've experienced. I'm, I'm now, I've just, got, I've just turned 73, so I've just been through one more started at 24, 36, 48, 60, and now 72. And each one of them has been really notable, a real feeling of everything finally has accumulated and changed. Uh, enough, let me say it that way. The first one that I felt at 36 was, I'd felt that the orientation of my inner self, I could call it the subconscious if I wanted to, but the orientation of my, of my inner self was slightly toward the negative. And I was a positive, energetic person, but when things, when, when stressed, I would fall a little toward the negative, especially my subconscious mind would give me reasons to feel bad about myself. So my, my, my self-concept was oriented toward the negative. I would think of my consciousness as a marble, and if I set it down, it was tilted in such a way that it would roll toward a negative self-concept. When I turned 36, and I, I didn't, wasn't paying attention, I didn't have an astrological exact day, but it feels like it was almost on my birthday that year. It's like the orientation 
shifted just a millimeter, but it shifted a millimeter toward the positive, which was a stunning change because when the marble sat, it rolled toward the positive self-concept and everything in my life began to shift at that point. You know, so, and I knew there was only one reason why that change had happened. I didn't quit. And this is where Swami said, and this is exactly what he's saying here about if you must judge others, don't look at what they lack. Look at what they aspire to become. Look how much, they, how dedicated they are to truth or to God. You know, as, I mean, of course, some people are not, but let's assume that the people that we're thinking about, we can find a positive dimension in their character. And here's the other part that Swami said about when he was saying, judge yourself not by your accomplishments, but by your aspirations. Here was the other part of it. He said, we are energy in motion. We are not a fixed reality. Even this physical body, which we think of as so fixed, it's constantly shifting. It's digesting, it's taking in air, it's aging, it's replacing some set of cells with other cells. There's never a moment when this entity that is a, a constant in our lives is actually static until we've, we've uh, left it, until the soul has departed from it, and then it really begins to stop. But everything in creation is energy, so it's always in moving, moving if it's alive. The only thing, the things that stop are when they're dead, but then they decompose, so they didn't even stop them. Then, um, did you ever hear the joke about um, the man who uh, sat by Beethoven's, uh, by Beethoven's grave, and heard all his symphonies playing backwards because Beethoven was decomposing. <laughs> Too ridiculous, but it crossed my mind. Okay, back to where we were. So even if you're dead, you're decomposing. So it never stops. So if we pick any arbitrary point and say, this is who I am, it just it isn't true. Because by the time you can see it, it's behind you. We're like a moving train, and you just can't say the train is, you know, that mountain in this valley, because by the time you get them fixed in your sight, you've gone by them. And so what we aspire to become is really the reality of what we are, because that's, that's determining, you know, sort of what the flow of energy is, because we are a flow of energy. And the foibles are there. God knows the foibles are there, the eccentricities, the strangeness, the weird idea of what what's a good idea i just sometimes and i've told some stories just in the last couple of days of aphorisms of things that i've done that it's just like what could i have been thinking but now i can say what could i have been thinking whereas at the time it was just it seemed like a good idea to me because it always is if if you don't think it's a good idea you don't do it even if one second after you do it, you realize it wasn't, but one second after you do it, it's already behind you. Now, I had said the problem of not everyone you know is consciously on the spiritual path. Not everyone you know, you, you can't say, oh, I admire your sincerity because they might not have any. But everybody is on the spiritual path. Everybody is seeking a divine bliss. How long it takes them and how consciously they're doing it, now that's an entirely different question, but everybody is on the same path to God. And Swamiji said something to me once which has been immensely helpful to me, and I've used it ever since to basically comfort my compassionate heart. 
because sometimes people do really awful things in this world. Sometimes they do them to other people, and sometimes they do them to you. Or sometimes people do awful things that are awful for themselves. You know, these are the foibles Swami's talking about. You know, so-and-so is just so mean, so-and-so is so rude, or, or somebody you don't even know is cruel and is using his power in a horrible manner, and, or, or just causing so much grief, or you see someone who's suffering so much you can hardly bear it. Swami said, when I see people who are suffering or behaving in a way that is going to cause them suffering, which is to say you see someone acting out their weaknesses and you don't know what to do about it and you can kind of project into the future how they're going to suffer for their wrong action. You know, you, you, watch, you watch people breaking up their marriages by their behavior. You watch people hurting their children by their ignorance in the way that they're raising them. Or you see children who are ungrateful for all the privileges that... I mean, just countless. You can go on and on and on like that. And you see the suffering. Swami says, I always think, oh, how much sweeter it will be. Because of this suffering, how much sweeter will be the day when they finally realize God. And so instead of thinking of the present suffering, he thinks how wonderful it will be when that suffering ends. And of course, in eternity, all time is short. So the fact that it may be many lifetimes before that freedom comes, when it comes, it will be now. And when it comes, all of this will be seen as a dream. And the the other way, I've translated that in my mind, when I see people doing things that I know are not going to work out well for them. And I can't stop them because how can you stop people? People have to learn. Or, or impersonally, I just see suffering. <clears throat> I think, oh yes, this is the kind of suffering that brings people to God. Because I certainly know that in my own life, that unfortunately, I learn a lot from suffering. I learn things from suffering that I was never able to learn without it. And then once having learned it, I'm very grateful for for whatever it took because this is the kind of suffering that brings people to God. So even if you can't look to them for what they're consciously doing in the present moment, you know that sooner or later they're going to have to look for God. As Swami said, we love everyone because everyone is seeking the bliss of their own soul. And he he said that many times, and I've only recently really begun to understand what he means, which is, we're all in this together. And all you can feel is everybody's seeking bliss. No matter how misguided their intentions are, it seems like a good idea to them at the time. That's why they're doing it. I had another really interesting thought, because I was talking about someone who played a role in Ananda's history and they played they, they, they really played the part of the villain. They they really were the instrument of dark energy for, for quite a long time and quite a powerful instrument of dark energy. And they were never part of us. There was an outside outside persecution. It was all part of the years of litigation. And from time to time I've sort of gone onto the internet to see if I could find what has become of this person. And I'm not looking for vengeance. I'm just curious. But 
there, there's never, I've never yet been able to find anything. But I, I believe, and I'm not saying this as a curse, but I believe that having that person having inflicted a great deal of suffering will most likely have to receive a great deal of suffering. And I, it's not that I want them to suffer, but I recognize it will have to happen, likely. If they, if they can learn another way, that would be great. But then I realize how often when I see people suffering, I, I become anxious about it. Rather, but I'm not anxious about the fact that this person will inevitably have to do it. Of course, when you see it, you've, you've, your heart goes out to them. There's no way around it. Swamiji commented once, there was a film in which there was a close-up picture of some people dying on the street. It was actually a film about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And she was picking up some dying person on the street. And as we came out of the theater, I watched the documentary with Swamiji and others. He was walking along and he said, he said something to the effect, I know this is a harsh thing to say. And he sort of said, I wouldn't say it to everyone, but I'm saying it to you. He said, but when I looked into the eyes of that person she was rescuing, I could see why they ended up alone dying on the street. And in other contexts, Swamiji had said that he could read a person's consciousness. His word actually was just a glance into their eyes, and I know all about them. So there was, there was, there was support for his comment. But it wasn't that he wanted him not to be rescued. It was that it was not confusing as to why he was in that position. Of course, he also had the very, very good karma to be picked up by Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So there was also more in there. But the end of the story for everyone is that they'll realize God. So if we have to evaluate someone in any way, don't think about what they don't have or haven't accomplished. They're, they're, you don't look at someone's painting before they finish it and say that's not a very good painting. You just say it's a work in progress. It looks promising, doesn't it? Oh, look, this person is going to get to suffer a lot. That probably means he'll make a lot of progress. You know? Oh, look, this person's just made a big mistake. So he'll get a big consequence and then he'll learn something. You can always turn it toward, oh, goody, they get to learn. Not vindictively, not without compassion. And if you have a way to speed their learning and alleviate their suffering, by all means do it. Be calm of heart, because also then, that's how you'll feel about your own life. And when we're just comfortable, as Swami said, self-acceptance leads to self-correction. If we're just comfortable, oh, I see what's happening. Oh, that's what's happening. This is why I feel this way. That's why this is happening to me. And I often say, I am the disciple of a great master. So everything's going to work out great for me. If not today, absolutely tomorrow. And at the very latest, the day after. You know? So today doesn't matter. God doesn't matter our faults. He only minds that we're not aspiring. Judge a person, if you must, not by his foibles, but by how sincere he is in his search for truth and for God. The less you judge others, the easier it will be for you to accept yourself as you are. Self-acceptance is the first step, moreover, to self-correction. Remember my Guru's words, God doesn't mind your faults. He minds your indifference. God bless you. 
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.